You're listening to audio from the West End Community Church in McGregor, Manitoba. It's uh, never been something that uh, I could say that describes who I am. Uh, My wife says that when I get into a car, uh, I take it as a personal challenge to get to the front of whatever whatever that looks like, the front of everything. Um, I am annoyed in a mall if there are people in front of me who are walking too slowly, and then I want to walk around them, and then I do walk around them, and I shake my head in disbelief at how slow they are walking. Uh, this is just honesty time. I... I I am not a patient person. It is a a huge challenge for me. Uh, I am annoyed uh, often. It just... So many different things that that I want now, but I can't have, or because other people are, I don't know, more patient than me. I I don't know what it is. Patience is a uh, virtue. That's what my mom always used to say. I still don't believe it. It's not something that comes easily to all of us, is it? I mean, I mean, I know that there are many, many of you who are more patient than me. Almost everybody is. But patience is something that, that we really have to work on. Um, and, and I know that you, at some point in your life, because you are an imperfect person, you have been impatient with someone or something. Um, it's... Being patient is a major challenge. We live in a world that wants to give us everything right now, and if we don't get it right now, we are made to believe that we should be dissatisfied. When we want something, we want it right away. It's the reason why fast food exists. Um, when someone or something irritates us, our reaction tends to be quick, uh, heated. We want action. We don't like waiting. At least that describes me. We have spent uh, a long time, a number of weeks together, and we have considered the character of God. We have been exploring the attributes of God. And in this final, uh, final week of the series, if you will, we want to consider the patience of God. Not your patience, not my patience, because it's just really not good enough. But really what we want to talk about and what we want to try to emulate is the patience of God. At the end of a long series like this one, perhaps it's fitting that we talk about patience. Maybe you are ready for this series to be over. Uh, And it will be after this week. Um, But patience, all kidding aside, patience is vital. Vital to our understanding of who God is and what God is like. I mean, we have spent this entire series, really, talking about these different attributes, all these different, um, all these different char- uh, pieces of the character of God. We've talked about all of them. And, and our goal has been 
to get to know God better. To, to try to maybe take him out of the box that we have put him into and to really worship and praise and adore him for who he is and all that he does. That's hopefully been what we have in part tried to accomplish during this series. And this morning we want to talk about his patience. Uh, were it not for God's patience... You and I, we would not be here at all. Each and every one of us is the beneficiary of the extraordinary patience of God. That's just the bottom line. That's the foundation level. And we have always tried through this series to try to kind of give ourselves a a foundation or a basis to move forward. And, And today is no different. The whole story of the Bible is the story of the patience of God. And so that's the first thing that I want us to see this morning. Right off the bat, the foundation, as we read the Bible, as we follow the story from cover to cover, the message is loud and clear. Our God, the God of the Bible, the one that we read about, the one that we study, the one that we sing to and pray to and and worship and adore, On a daily basis, our God is abundantly patient. That's where we have to start. He is abundantly patient. He is perfectly patient. That's the first point. Our God is abundantly patient. The story begins all the way in in Genesis. We read all the way from Genesis chapter 1, and we read about creation, creation, this creation of a perfect world, we, we read about the creation of human beings to live in and to enjoy this world that God created, this perfect world. We're given the extraordinary pr- privilege right at the very beginning of Genesis. Humanity is given this extraordinary privilege of direct access to God. A relationship with God himself in the garden. <clears throat> And God gave humanity all that uh, they needed, all that we needed for a life of flourishing and, and joy. And as we follow the story, it, it doesn't last long, right? I mean, really, I, I don't know what the period of time was or, or anything like that, but we read two chapters later, almost immediately, we, humanity, threw all that back into the face of God, declaring, in essence, that we really didn't trust God. We didn't trust the God who made us. We don't trust that he was going to do, uh, he, that he was going to do us good, that he was going to intend the very best for us. And so we made our own choices, right there in the garden. And at the moment of rejection and rebellion, God would have been within his rights to call time out on on the human race. Don't you think? He could have called time out on, on planet Earth. He could have wiped the slate clean, but of course he didn't do that. He allowed things to continue, and he allowed things to develop, and as the things continued, um, 
And as things developed, the problem of sin didn't get better, but actually it escalated. And it got worse. And we read right at the very beginning in Genesis chapter 6, we referenced this a a number of weeks ago, but in Genesis chapter 6, Verse 5, here's what it has to say. The Lord God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of his thoughts, uh, of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he made man on the earth. And it grieved him to his heart. The Lord regretted that he made man on the earth. It grieved him to his heart. And then it continues on. The writer of Genesis says, The Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, men and animals, creeping things, birds of the heaven, for I am sorry that I made them. And then it says, But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. So we have this This problem of sin, we have an escalation of that problem, and then we have this point where God says to himself, I am sorry that I started this whole process. And even at the end of that thought, it says, but Noah found favor with God. Noah found favor. I mean, it really... What God is saying there is that he, show, he is showing patience. He warned Noah, and you know the story. God instructed him to build an ark to save himself and, and his family, along with the animals of different species. Noah took time to build that ark. God waited, showed patience. He held off destroying all life on earth. Peter, in the New Testament, in his first epistle, says this in 1 Peter 3.20. When God's patience waited in the days of Noah. What Peter is saying, what the writer of Genesis is saying, is that in his patience, God allowed Noah and his family to prepare. And our existence today, the reason why we are here on this Sunday morning, is entirely due not to Noah... But it is entirely due to the fact that our God, the one that we just sang to and prayed to, the one that we're here to worship, that our God is a patient God. That's the reason why we're here. The flood, the fresh start that Noah was soon led, uh, that, that Noah lived through, and then continued on from there, history continued on from there, it l- soon led to more sin, more disappointment, but God didn't give up. And as you read through the Old Testament, you find that he called to himself a family or a nation. The people of Israel eventually rescued, uh, rescuing that nation from from slavery in Egypt. Uh, He took them to their own promised land. On that journey to the land, God gave to to his people a special covenant, the, the Mosaic Covenant, the Ten Commandments. And Moses went up onto Mount Sinai to receive the, the, the covenant, the, the, the Ten Commandments, the, the law. And when he came back down, what did he find? He found his people 
the people that had just been rescued by God from slavery in Egypt, he found them worshiping a, a golden calf, committing adultery, uh, idolatry. And when Moses came down, he saw all this. He smashed the tablets. He was in grief and he was in anger. And this could have been the moment when God just kind of washed his hands and said, okay, you know what, I I was patient, but these people are a lost cause. But he didn't. It could have been when he finally closed the door in humanity, but he didn't. He chose to continue The incidents at Sinai wasn't the end of it. The wilderness years, the years of grumbling, complaining of the people. Uh, In the book of Acts, Luke writes about the 40 years that the people wandered around in the desert um, before they were allowed to go into the promised land. And the Lord is... Luke writes there that the 40 years that God put up with the Israelites in the wilderness... He writes that the Lord was slow to anger. He was a God of extraordinary patience. He was abundantly patient. That's who he is. That's what he is like for centuries and centuries and generations and generations. The people have tested God's patience and regularly invited his judgments. But in his gracious and merciful patience God didn't abandon. He didn't abandon you. He didn't abandon the people of Israel. He didn't abandon the people of the Bible. In patience, he fulfilled and stuck to the plan that was initiated in Genesis chapter 1. In patience, he fulfilled his plan of salvation. Even sending his son ultimately to die for a people who were entirely undeserving. He showed his patience. See, the truth about God that God, um, that God revealed to Moses is it's repeated again and again and again and again in the Bible. Um, let me just let me give you a couple verses. Numbers 14, uh, 18 says this, The Lord is slow to anger abounding in steadfast love, forgiving iniquity and transgression. Psalm 86, 15. But you, O Lord, are God, merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Joel 2, 13. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious He is merciful, he is slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. So, I mean, they're almost word for word the same. But you get the point, right? The scriptures reinforce it again and again and again. It is God's character. It is not in his character. It is God's character to be patient. To hold back his anger to hold back his judgment, to to bear with his people, to give opportunity for repentance. That's the God that we worship. (laughs) And so now as um, as you consider the fact that God is patient, what 
we should, um, we should acknowledge the fact that patience is a virtue. My mom was right. Uh, that actually receives mixed reviews in our world today, doesn't it? I mean, we always appreciate, we, we appreciate it when people are patient with us. I was, I was appreciative of all my teachers who were patient with me when I handed in stuff late. Um, if we are late for an appointment, we are happy if people are just say, ah, that's all right, no problem, come on in to the dentist or the doctor or to the mechanic or, or whatever. We're grateful if a little patience is extended our way. If we get into financial difficulty and the bank or the lender shows us patience in letting us pay, we're grateful. If we're late for a meeting, we're late for work, and the boss is forgiving, we're grateful. We appreciate patience being shown to us, right? Sure we do. But how are we in in sort of the reciprocal kind of relationship? How are we when people are late for us or, or, or we have to wait for them? Do we extend that same kind of patience? When we consider the leaders of our countries or the leaders of the world, the people in positions of power, we sometimes, think about this, we view patience as weakness. Sometimes we do. On a global scale, and this is incredibly poignant at, at this moment in history, but sometimes if there is no direct retaliation to an act of war, a population of a country that has been seized upon might cry out for action and they're waiting for their leaders to do something, and they view their lack of action or their inaction to be weakness rather than patience. A strong leader is tough and decisive and makes snap decisions, right? Maybe not so much. Certainly, I would hope that the people that are making decisions in the Middle East right now would be patient. And I think that's what we should be praying for. Here's the point that I'm trying to make. What struck me as, we, as, as I studied this whole idea of patience and the theme and how the Bible links God's great power... With his patience. God's patience is always linked to God's power. Have you ever thought of that? Have you ever thought of it that way? As far as the Bible is concerned, God's patience is not a denial of his power, but it is rather an outworking of his power. God shows his great power in restraining his anger, in holding back his judgment. In showing patience. Listen to what Nahum chapter 1 verse 2 says. The Lord is a jealous and avenging God. 
The Lord is avenging and wrathful. The Lord takes vengeance on his adversaries and keeps wrath for his enemies. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power. Patience and power tied together. It is not a denial of his power. His patience is a product of it. God is slow to anger because he is great in power. Our great God, the sovereign over all things, the all-powerful one, is abundantly patient. With great power comes great responsibility. And one of those responsibilities is to be patient. And so if, if you believe me on this, and, and I hope you do. If you believe that God is abundantly patient, if you believe that, if that is what God is like, then just like we, we've done with so many of the, the other attributes that we've talked about, we've built that foundation, right? And now we have to see how that, um, how that, how that truth is working in our life what does it mean for us what are the implications of the fact that if god is abundantly patient what does that mean for you and me there's there's a ton of those things uh i want to give you three okay so if god if this is what god is like god is abundantly patient what are the results what are the effects of his patience or, or what are the effects of the patience of God? And then how are we to respond to that abundant patience toward us? Like I said, I want to give you three. So the first one that I want you to, that I want you to write down or, or just kind of consider is this idea of if we understand that God is abundantly patient in exercising that patience, The first thing that I want you to to recognize is that God displays his glory. In exercising his patience, God displays his glory. Okay, everybody with me? Good. Um, So, when I was in Banff um, last May, I saw this car. Go ahead there, Aaron. I saw this car parked on the street. Uh, yeah, nice. I, I think, I'm pretty sure that this was the one. There were a bun- bunch of nice cars. I think this is a McLaren. Um, if you know more about cars than me, everybody does. So bully for you. Uh, anyway, this is a really expensive car. I'm just going to say that, all right? Anyway, so I saw this car. I took a picture of it because I wanted to send it to Ben and Aaron. And, uh, and then... Uh, Later on, I was walking down the street, and I saw this thing driving sedately down the street, like, you know, 30, 40 kilometers an hour. And I thought, uh, yeah, he doesn't want to hit any potholes. And uh, I also thought to myself, it has to be frustrating to own a car like this and to have to drive it at 40 kilometers per hour. And I did a little bit of, uh, I just... Um, I did a little bit of car study. I found out that there is a Ferrari out there on the market today. This is not a Ferrari. Uh, But there is a Ferrari. Let me just see here. 
Ferrari P80, it's called. It is a top speed of 211 miles an hour. That's pretty fast. Um, zero to 60 in, in and around two seconds, okay? 60 miles an hour. So that's pretty quick too. But who cares about those stats because you can't even begin to test out those capabilities anywhere without chancing an encounter, an unfortunate and an unhappy encounter with the police, right? I mean, you would have to find somewhere to test the ability of a car like this, and there aren't too many places where you could do that. Um, I mean, people do do that. I saw a car this week just go right around the corner here by the church, and, and a it was a black car. I don't know who, who owns it. Uh, it was a young person, I'm just going to say. And they spun their wheels, and they ended up in the ditch right over there. And by the time I got over there, he got out of the ditch, and I think he was embarrassed. So he, uh, anyway, I digress. <clears throat> um, my point is that you will never be able to drive a car like this as it was built to be driven in McGregor or on the number one, or, you know, I mean, legally. (laughs) Its power, its capability, its capacity will never be demonstrated or seen. Right? So we might ask ourselves why it is that God bears with sinful humanity, you and me, the way that he does. We might ask why he has been so patient in the outworking of his salvation plan. Why has he not just brought things to an end? Why has he not become so frustrated with our inability to do the things that we are called to do, to be obedient? Well, we would, I recognize that we don't know or we won't know the full answer to that, here on this world. But part of the answer, at least, is that in bearing with the world, in being patient with the world as God does, God has an an occasion to exercise and to show something of his majesty, to show something of his patience. And it might otherwise never be seen if he didn't And he wasn't patient with us. In these days when God is bearing with sinful humanity, when he is delaying his judgment, we are given a display of his long-suffering goodness. Our God is a good God because he delays judgment. Um, Romans chapter 9 verse 22 says this, What if God, desiring to show his wrath and to make known his power, has endured with much patience vessels of wrath, prepared for destruction in order to make known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy, which he has prepared beforehand for his glory. Do you know what Paul is saying there? He's saying God delays his wrath to show his patience, to show a bit of his glory to you and to me. It's a display of his power. It's It's a display of his glory. 
Somehow, in some way, God's patience in bearing with his enemies, his patience in enduring sin and rebellion and all the rest, shows his glory in a very special way to those who are going to be saved. It highlights the wonder of salvation. It shows us the sheer power and the goodness and the majesty of God in his patience. God could have pulled the plug long ago, but he didn't. So, and the truth is that if I was in charge, (laughs) heaven forbid, I mean, I would have pulled the plug because I am not a patient person. I I said that right at the very beginning. And dare I say, maybe you would have pulled the plug as well. But God has uh, exercised his extraordinary power of restraint and patience. And we recognize the fact, and, and, and when we see that, when we consider that, you know what we're doing? We're recognizing his glory. Our God is a good God. He is a glorious God. He is a patient God. In exercising his patience, God displays his glory. Here's the second thing. <clears throat> In exercising his patience, God gives time for repentance. This, this is probably the best point, right? Um, this summer uh, in July, uh, Claudette and I got a call from Abby. She was having an issue with her car, and uh, she was on her way to work at a camp for the week. She didn't know what to do. Anyway, long story short, I drove out there. It was a transmission issue. And uh, I uh, took it to a mechanic there in Swift Current, and uh, he looked at it, and he kind of evaluated some things, and he kind of tried to figure out exactly what was wrong. He cleared that there was just a myriad of codes that were going on, these engine codes and all this sort of stuff. And, you know, it was just everything is above my head. We know that, but it, it was all above my head. Anyway, so he, he cleared all the codes, and he did something. I don't know exactly what he did. He tried to explain it to me. I didn't understand it. Uh, but all the codes went away. And I said, you fixed it. And he said, well... And he said, maybe. And then I said, well, is this a, a permanent fix? And he indicated that it likely it was not a permanent fix. He said, this is what a permanent fix would look like. This is what I did. Those are two different things. So here is what the message essentially was that this mechanic gave me. By doing what I did, I bought you some time. And in that time, you can prepare for the purchase of the permanent fix. Do your research. But the clock is ticking. Do you see the parallels? See, the, the patience of God, it buys humanity time. It buys this time that we might prepare for what is to come. And we need to learn very carefully the lessons that the patience of... Uh, the, we need to learn very carefully the lessons of the patience of God in order that we might prepare for the future that God has spoken about in his word. We talked about it two years ago when we went through the book of Revelation. We talked about 
what is to come. And wherever you are as far as, you know, eschatology and and what you believe and and all that sort of stuff, believe this. Whatever it's going to look like, the judgment of God is coming. He will judge the wickedness of this world. He tells us that there is a day of judgment set in, not in your calendar, but in his calendar. The whole earth is going to be brought to account. So God has provided a means of safety, a way of salvation for that dreadful day. He has given his son to die in our place. That our sins might be forgiven, that our debt before him might be paid. And he calls us to turn from sin and to find safety in Jesus Christ by faith in him. And his delay in bringing that promised judgment is the world's greatest opportunity to prepare for what is to come. And the way that we do that is by responding to the gospel. Peter said in 2 Peter 3.8, Do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the, the heavens will pass away with the roar, and the heavenly bodies will be, will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed, and the Lord's heart and the Lord's desire is that none should perish in the judgment that will come, but that all should reach Repentance and salvation. In his patience, God is giving us, you, me, everyone, humanity. In his patience, God is giving us time. How much time? Nobody knows. Maybe it's today. Maybe it's tomorrow. Maybe it's 100 years. I don't know. But he's given you and me time. We have right now. We have, and we have this time. And for a world under judgment, God's patience means time. And it means opportunity. And if you're someone here who does not know the Lord Jesus Christ yet, if you have not carefully considered where you stand before him, if you haven't ever addressed the matter of your guilt before a perfect and a holy God, may I say today is that day of opportunity for you. The Lord has warned us that there will be a judgment to come. He's given us the invitation of the gospel. So the opportunity to receive the forgiveness of sin through Jesus' death and resurrection, God invited you to respond. And the delay of that judgment, the patience of God, gives you time, even now, to respond. And, and you know, if you are here today, like most of us are, and, and, and we are believers, we have that relationship. Do you know what the patience of God tells us? <laughs> tells us that the harvest is ripe, and there are people out there who need Jesus. 
And the day is coming when the window of opportunity will close. How will you and I use the time that we have today in exercising his patience? God gives time for repentance. Here's the last thing. In exercising his patience, God sets for us a model, for, a model to follow. I mean, that's, that's really the long and the short of it, right? Um, <clears throat> most museums that uh, I have been to, I haven't been to many, but I have been to some. Uh, I have not yet been to the Louvre, but I would like to go someday. Uh, if you go to the Louvre, you have the opportunity to see the, uh, the Mona Lisa. Uh, if you go and you expect that you will be able to hold the painting and look, it up, look at it up close, you will be vastly disappointed. Uh, it is behind glass and there's a big, you know, there's space. You, you cannot hold that painting. Um, you will never get to touch it. But some museums these days are actually interactive. Uh, the Children's Museum in, in, Man- um, in Winnipeg at the Forks. Uh, your kids can go there and they can do a bunch of stuff. It's a museum, but it's interactive. Uh, how cool is that? As we've been studying the attributes, attributes of God, we've looked at a number of the uh, a number of God's attributes that we would call. I just want to uh, dazzle you with my knowledge. We would call the incommunicable attributes of God, and what that means is. These are things that we can't emulate because we're human. We cannot seek to emulate the omnipotence of God or the omnipresence of God because, well, obvious, we're, we're human. We, we can't be in two places at once. We, we aren't all-knowing. Um, so, those, you know, the, there, so there are certain attributes of God that are incommunicable, right? However... There are attributes of God that are communicable. Um, and uh, I mean, it sort of sounds like a virus, right? But it's not a virus. It is, it is the idea that you and I can seek to emulate those communicable attributes of God. Things like the patience of God, right? It is a model to follow as God shows us his great patience. He calls us, he calls you, he calls me, his children, to be patient as well. As God is abundantly patient, he is asking you to be abundantly patient as well. Which makes my impatience all the more glaring. Growing in patience is a fruit of the Spirit. It says it right in Galatians. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. (coughs) You know what Paul's saying there? He's saying that the God-given patience, the Spirit, um, th- this, 
spirit should mark our interactions with one another, especially, especially within the family of God. What I'm saying is that you and you and you and you and you and everybody, we should all be patient with each other more than anyone else. And isn't it a tragedy that we, within the kingdom of God, the people that have a relationship with Jesus, often aren't patient with each other? If that were true, there would have never, ever been a church split. We are called to be patient with each other. We're all prone to be impatient with others, not least to the people that we sit in church with. Why can't we see a brother or sister, um, why can't a brother or sister just see things the way that I see things? We can't fathom why those people that sit on that side of the church behave the way that they behave. We can't fathom it. Our patience grows thin and our words grow sharp. And in these verses that I just read, Paul reminds us that the basic reality of the gospel, God has been so gracious to you, to, to all of us, because our Heavenly Father has treated us in this way. We can hardly justify our own failure to extend that same patience to the people around us. Does that not make sense? You, do you remember, I know this is like over a month ago when I preached last, um, but we talked about Matthew 18 and we talked about the, the unforgiving servant. Um, I found this interesting. I, I just found this this week. I just got to read it for you. Matthew 18, the forgiving servant. You, we know the story. The, the servant came before the king, had a large debt. The king said, uh, he pleaded for... He pleaded for mercy, and the, and the king said, yeah, no problem. And then he went out, and he talked to a friend of his who owed him a little bit of money, and he said, you give me that money, and he started to choke him, and he sent him in prison. Terrible story, right? This is what I noticed this week. Um, when the servant came before the, the, the king, In verse 20, it said, So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, and he said this, Have patience with me. And, and the, the other servant, when he talked to the, to the other servant, you know what he said? He said, Have patience with me. That's the word that's used in Matthew 18. It provoked me to ask this question to myself. Do I have the patience for you, my brothers and sisters in the family of God? Do I have the same patience that the Father above has shown me in extraordinary abundance? It is a fruit of the Spirit. It is the right, necessary, appropriate outworking of the gospel of grace. We need, we must. It is so important imperative to show patience to each other because we've got a big job to do for the Lord Jesus. And being patient with each other is it's a way to do that. We need to cultivate patience. Let me close with this. <clears throat> James chapter 5, verse 7 says this, Be patient, therefore, brothers, 
until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. You farmers, you farmers. I can say that now because I'm a farmer. Uh, You farmers are people who know a little bit of something about patience, don't you? You can't rush the harvest. You have to watch and you have to wait. That's the bottom line reality. And then once you have put in all those hours and days and hard work to develop the crops and to work the fields, the season of harvest the season of harvest is actually quite brief in comparison to, well, unless you're at Taves. Um, but when all that is finished, the harvest doesn't take quite as long as all the, the rest of it, right? And the farmer has months and months, once the harvest is over, of work to do before there is going to be another harvest. It takes incredible patience. And as Christians, as believers in Jesus, we need to be a people who are good at waiting who excel in our patience, our hope and our fulfillment as the children of God is not to be found in the things of this world. Unless those things, uh, unlike all those things that are around us, we are not living for the here and the now. We are a people who are waiting for something extraordinary. Beyond words, we are waiting for the Lord. We wait to see his kingdom in its fullness. We wait to be free of sin. We wait for the judgments of our Lord and Savior face to face. Philippians chapter 3 verse 20 says that our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. May the Lord teach us to be patient. Even as he is patient. For his glory. Amen? Let's pray. May we be patient, Father. We await you. And God, in the meantime, may we use our time wisely. We thank you for your patience. We thank you for the time that you have given us. And we thank you for the model that you have created for us to follow. Father, would you please help us not to be idle. And may we say that we love you and we hope that we have the wherewithal and something inside of us, your spirit, to help us to be obedient to the calling that you have given us. God, I thank you for this place, and I thank you for these people. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.